You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. So in case you hadn't heard, this by design is what we call Vision Sunday, where we collectively pause for a minute and look forward to what God is doing and really try to anticipate some of where he seems to be leading us as a church family. But as part of that, we also like to look back on what God has done this last year. So we have a little video that we prepared for you that captures just some snapshots of our life together as a church. And believe it or not, despite COVID, despite even quarantining last year, the mission of the church and what God was doing still advanced and still went forward. You'll hear about outreach, backpack blessings, Advent conspiracy, community care, um, our small groups, all that is coming your way. So enough of me and more of that. Let's see that video. Through the season of COVID, we really realize that the church isn't just a gathering on Sunday, but it's really about serving our community and pointing others towards Christ. The way we've been doing things has been different, but our vision and mission has been the same. Uh, this year for a foster parent night out, instead of having 50 foster kids come to our building uh, once a month to provide respite care for the foster parents, we've been sending out care packages each month full of movies, popcorn, hot chocolate bombs, board games and providing activities uh, for the foster parents to take a night off in their own homes and just have fun with the kids. Back in last March when uh, stores were running out of basic supplies, uh, we were concerned uh, that we wouldn't be able to have enough food for backpack blessings. Especially when we first started out and it was a big shutdown. I had been studying the book of Genesis in BSF and I was trying to apply some of my lessons and teachings to that about how God is with me at all times. He's faithful, he's gonna take care of me. So I just thought, okay, go for it. You gotta get the food for the kids. Uh, I'll be protected. And the one uh, vendor that really touched my heart that we built a relationship and she called me one day and said, do you need so-and-so? It's gonna be, this item's gonna be coming up for sale. She set aside supplies for Backpack Blessings because she saw the value in it and she saw how important it was and what we do for East Gresham. It's just really, really important that these kids eat on the weekends. Uh, and so God met our need there. And beyond just sending a backpack full of food home each week, we get to interact with these families once a year at our community Christmas party. In the past, we've had our building packed full of people with a big meal, crafts, Christmas trees, uh, and just about everything a kid can imagine for Christmas. This year, unfortunately, that was compromised due to COVID restrictions. So we had to decide whether we were going to put something on for the East Gresham families or not. We were in a meeting, the leadership team and I, when we got an email from the Gresham Barlow School District asking if we were going to do something this year for the East Gresham families. And right then we decided we had to do something because everyone else had canceled. We went through back to the drawing board and we came up with a drive-through model for our community Christmas party this year. We decorated the outside with lights and inflatables and trees decorated. Uh, we provided 
crafts and cookie decoration kit, food boxes. We did over 200 food boxes. And most of all, we provided hot chocolate for them to drink while on our property. Uh, and God just really moved through that and the families felt really blessed that we were able to do something for them this year. We have been more active, it feels like, during the virus um, than ever before. And your resources, which you've given generously, have allowed us to do that. For the first couple of weeks when the food bank just had this influx of people, um, the care team was able to come alongside and really help them uh, kind of beef up their resources until the city could come alongside and actually increase their resources as well. well another thing that's developed during COVID has been the prayer walking. Uh, just finished with a small team of folks walking around Gresham City Council area and we prayed for the police, prayed for the fire, we prayed for Pregnancy Resource Center which is there um, close to Gresham High School. We prayed for the high schools right there in front of Gresham High School. That has started because of COVID. Uh, boots on the ground. Um, people have given, you have given more to the care ministry during COVID than I've ever seen before. In regard to small group community, at Grace this last year, we really saw the need for people more than ever to be in community, to be in relationship. Through this process, we learned a lot. We've tried some things. Some have worked well. Some really didn't work very well, but it's okay. We were trying to figure out what would work. So we started some house churches, and then we did our best to try to put people into groups according to their needs. But through it all, I would say it was just really a growing and learning experience for us. So now where we're at with small groups, uh, we've put together a development team that's actually been meeting since September. And we've been looking at small group community. How do we really create environments where people will learn to grow in their relationship with each other? And more importantly, will fall more in love with Jesus. The one thing that is for sure is that we need to be in community with each other. We want Grace to be a church where we are built of small group communities, people who are doing life together, people who are practicing walking with Jesus together, people who are encouraging each other to walk with Jesus and bring him into every aspect of their lives. So there you have it. Now, I saw the first cut of that video a couple days ago, and when I saw that, I was going, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because when you think about last year, you think about quarantine, you think about the disruption to everything, us trying to figure out how do we still be the church and be community together when we can't be together, and how does that all work? And I was greatly encouraged when I saw that, and I hope you are too, because who we are, what we're called to do and be, God's work is still going forward. COVID doesn't stop that. Quarantine doesn't stop that. Masks don't stop that, right? And that's what we want to be about. We want to be about doing God's work and being focused on what he's called us to do. And so that's why we very deliberately in this time of year take some time to just refocus and remember what it is that we're called to do and be. You know, I mentioned this in my um, Facebook sermon preview for those of you who saw that earlier this week. 
But as I was thinking about the day, I was reminded of something that happened to me very recently. I was doing several projects because the weather's been beautiful, right? And I've been working not only inside, but outside trying to get stuff done. And if you have a lawn or a yard, you know, you have job security because there's always weeds. There's always, you know, stuff that has to be pruned and cut, what have you. And so I'm out doing that stuff. And I went to my shed to get something and I got to my shed and all of a sudden I realized, I don't know what I'm here for. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, some of you are honest. The rest of you will work on. And that's happened to me my whole life. Now, if you were talking to my adult kids who love to tease me because I always tease them, they would say, well, Dad, you are getting a little older. You know, that's understandable. But I've done that in about every season of my life where I've been busy doing good things and doing necessary things and forgotten where I'd gone to get something or what I was there for. And that is true for us at times as individuals, and it's also true for churches. We have a lot that's going on here, very necessarily so, very deliberately so. We have a lot that we want to be about, but it's important for us to keep the main thing the main thing, and that's what today really is all about. This is our purpose statement. Would you please say this together with me? We are about loving God, loving people, reaching people, developing people. Yeah, that's who we are and that's what we're about. So we're going to stay in our Matthew series, but we're going to jump to the very end of Matthew, to Matthew 28. Sarah referenced it in worship. You just saw it listed there um, on, uh, at the end of the video, rather. And we're going to once again remind ourselves and look at what does, what are we supposed to be about? What does all this look like? What is, what is really the bottom line of what we're called to do and be as a church and as Jesus followers. So here's the passage once again. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what are we supposed to be about? Just a little hint there. Yeah, we're supposed to be about making disciples, bringing the kingdom of God by making disciples, by making followers. But this assumes, as we think about, okay, how do we live this out as a community? How do we live this out individually? It assumes that you're a disciple. So are you? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And when we say disciple, that word literally means follower. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And many of us have a frame of reference for that. You know, on social, on social media, you follow people. You find someone you like. You follow them. You watch what they say. You watch what they do, what have you. And as long as you like it, it's great. And if you don't like it, well, maybe you don't pay attention or you choose to follow someone else. Or if they really offend you or if they really get under your skin, you just stop following them. You, you cancel them. I'm not doing that anymore, or I'm not following you anymore. That is not what it means to be a disciple. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. Because if you follow Jesus, you've responded to his grace. And when we're talking about grace, just so we're on the same page, grace is God's unmerited love, freely given for the sake of right relationship with him and others. Do you realize, do you appreciate, do you know that Christianity, that the Bible is the only worldview, the only religion that teaches God's grace? 
that God's acceptance of you and me is not based on what we do, it is based on what he has done for us. There's no other worldview, no other religion that claims that. Only Christianity, only the Bible teaches that. God loves us. And it's not because of who we are or what we've done, it's because of what he's done. So we respond to that grace. And another dimension of that grace is his empowerment through the Holy Spirit to serve him and others. So you not only have the presence and power of Jesus, if you've chosen to receive him into your life, you now have this ability to live for him. And yes, God's approval of you is based on what you do. He really does expect you to trust and obey him. And ironically, when we trust and obey him, that is the path to joy and happiness and fulfillment and blessing that we're all looking for. But it's a different kind of following than the following we often see here in our culture. We looked at this a couple weeks ago when Sean took us through one of our passages in Matthew where Jesus said, if you want to follow me, this is what it means. You take up your cross, you deny yourself, and then you follow me, which doesn't sound like very much fun. But counterintuitively, there are times it's enormously fun and enormously joyful. And yes, there are times it's hard and difficult. But at the end of the day, we have the ability to follow this amazing God because he empowers us to do so. And it means that he wants us to live life on his terms, not necessarily our terms, because even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it doesn't make sense, his terms are better than ours. Do you believe that? I hope that you do, because there's nothing better than knowing this amazing God and being in right relationship with him, knowing him as your Lord and Savior. And when you do, then he expects you to trust and obey him, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. Because Jesus himself said in John 14, not once, not twice, but three times, just to make sure we got it, if you love me, you will obey what I command. So if we love him, yes, then we follow him. But all this assumes that if you're following him, there's momentum, there's movement, you're growing, you're changing, you're transforming. Living out our purpose is about growing as a disciple. So once again, here it comes. Are you? Are you growing? Are you transforming? Are you becoming more the person he has called you and created you to be? And on some days, I can unequivocally say, yes, I am. And on some days, I can go, no, not so much. I feel kind of stuck. Jamie and I will have a conflict about something and it'll be about an issue that continues to be an issue that we've talked about over and over again and here we are back to the same place and how does that work? How does that happen? And yet at the same time, I am growing and developing and becoming who God wants me to be, and there are times it just doesn't feel like it, though. So how do we keep growing as disciples? If we were to measure our growth, how would we do that? Well, Jesus actually tells us. 
We'll get there when we get to Matthew 22. But many of you, again, you already know this. If you, if you were to summarize the entire Bible, in Matthew 22 in particular, how does Jesus say that could be done? We are to love God and love people. The litmus test for this, the standard for this, is our relationships. How do we answer the question, are you growing as a disciple? What's your relationship? What is your relationship with others like? Well, how in the world do you measure that? Am I more loving towards you than I was a couple months ago, a year ago, two years ago? Towards Jamie, my kids, the other people in my life? How in the world do you measure that? How do you measure being more, more loving? And that is a, that's a tough one. At times, it's difficult to see. And this is not the magic bullet, and this is not the solution, but Rhonda referenced it in our video that we just saw with the development we're very deliberately doing with community groups, and small groups, rather. And it's this, one of the things that was challenged, and this was also mentioned in the video, was we all got a a very vivid reminder that the church is not a building, the church is a community, this last year and a half of COVID. And we've been reminded that true life change through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit happens in relationship. And that really got tested this last year and a half, didn't it? Especially when we couldn't gather like this or even gather in our small groups. So now as we head into a season where it's more possible for us to do that again, what we're looking to do is to make our small groups even more accessible to you. But we're also looking to very deliberately change where these groups are are gonna go. We're gonna be looking at living out and practicing and experiencing the spiritual practices together. What does it look like to to live those out together and experience those together? And again, this is not the magic bullet, but there is a transparency, there is an authenticity that you kind of have to go to if you're gonna be able to meaningfully do that together. And it involves things that are acts of denial, but it also involves things that are acts of delight. It's fasting, but it's also feasting. It's leaving, but it's also returning. And, And sometimes, Counterintuitively, denial actually leads to delight. And sometimes counterintuitively, when you experience delight, that sometimes involves denial in order to receive that too. And and we'd like to head a direction where our groups are not only more accessible to you, but that we begin to put our focus on this. We talk about it, we live it out, we we live authentically, even more so with one another. Well, that's that's where we're going with our with our community groups. Because again, at the end of the day, we're called to make disciples. That is the entire focal point of this passage. And we make disciples in part by by teaching them and baptizing them. And by the way, in two weeks on Father's Day is our next baptism. So just putting that out there, in fact, you have no planning that you have to do. You can just show up that day and decide to get baptized then and we'll take care of it. We have clothes, towels, we'll just, don't even plan, just show up, then we'll baptize you. We're very excited to see people choose to follow Jesus Christ and experience the life change that comes from that. But that's what we're called to do, is to make disciples, not only individually, but corporately. 
And is that ever challenging? More than ever. And is there more opportunity for us? More than ever. I was talking with someone who I haven't seen in a year and a half because of COVID, and they've just now felt comfortable to start coming back to in-person stuff. And we were catching up a little bit, and we were talking about just for many months, really over a year, they have worshiped corporately like many of you are doing online, which is, which is great. This is why we have it. And this is why we've worked so hard to develop it, is to make corporate worship accessible to as many people as possible. And as we were talking about that reality, he said, yeah, I'm so glad that I I can come back and be in person. And again, we understand there's some of you for a number of reasons who can't be in person here, and we we understand that, that's okay. But he was talking about the reality of being able to come back to in person. And he said, yeah, you know, are there still very many people watching online? And I said, yeah, there's a lot of people still watching online. Our, Our reach has actually significantly expanded as a church in the last year and a half because of this online medium that we now get to use. And I said, we have a whole nother community out there that we're trying to think through, not only how do we reach into their lives, but for those who can, those who at some point will, how do we get them into in-person community when they're ready to do so? And he said, gosh, I never thought about having two communities. We have an in-person community and we have an online community. Yep, how are we gonna make disciples with that? How are we gonna do that? What a tremendous opportunity. So wouldn't it be great if we had more resources to leverage towards making disciples? Wouldn't it be great if we could meet more needs in this community in the name of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be great if we could expand our reach across the fence, across the street, throughout the city, through our online ministries to make more disciples for Jesus Christ? And the answer is, yeah, that would be cool. And we can, and we're going to. And let me tell you how. Some of you, if you were listening, heard about this about three weeks ago. If you weren't here or you missed online, then this is gonna be new for you. But my friends, we have an unprecedented opportunity, and I know that's an overused word, but it is, it's unprecedented. We have the ability to do something eight years ahead of what we thought we'd be able to do, and that is, By July 1st, we have the opportunity to completely pay off our mortgage and redirect those resources. Yeah, that's exciting. So here's the deal. For some of you, this is not gonna be enough information because what I'm about to walk through with you, I took an hour and a half with our ministry leadership at Lead to Do. We're gonna do it in 10 minutes. For those of you who want more information, next Sunday at 10.30, we will have a question and answer time with the elders and um, our finance team just down the hallway there. You come to that, you ask as many questions as you want. But for others of you, this might be a little too much information. And I'm not gonna apologize, it just is what it is. But I am gonna say this, it's very important to us as a leadership to be as transparent with you as possible and to give you as much good information as possible. So fasten your seatbelts as you see what is taking place and what's about to happen. So we have the resources to pay off our mortgage as of July 1st. That will be our mortgage as we're projecting it on July 1st. Let me quickly tell you how we've gotten to this point because it's pretty cool. And understand everything I'm about to talk about is in the bank now. Many years ago, we did a thing called Grace Unleashed where we 
focused together on a two-year time frame to generate as much resources as we could while you and I still gave to the vision mission budget, the community care fund, and all the other things we give to, we also leveraged hundreds of thousands of dollars to drop on our mortgage in that season. But there were some of you who said, that's not good enough. And so you continued to give to Grace Unleashed, even though our focus formally ended. And so as that's happened in the last several years, we've allowed that to accrue and then have systematically dropped that on the mortgage. And as of May 1st, or excuse me, May 9th, we have $8,922 that has accrued once again in Grace Unleashed. Also, we have this thing called a giving focus. And what this is, is in our last budget cycle, we, we saved enough money, even though our giving wasn't quite meeting our budget, that we had a little bit left over at the end of the fiscal year last August. So we took that as an elder team and we parked that in this account called a, a, a giving focus account. And our thinking was, we'll leverage that for something that we, we really need it for. Otherwise, we're just, we're gonna save it. And so someone in December, as part of their year-end giving, gave $40,000 to us as a church and said, use it however you want. And we said, well, let's save it and then use it on what we want. Well, that's what the giving focus is. And then, if you'll remember back with me, when we went into COVID last year, and really about this time, the economy was beginning to grind to a halt because we were all in quarantine. And our budget, just like your budget, began to struggle. And so we applied for this program through the federal government called the Payroll Protection Program, or what we affectionately call the Triple P. It took several months to apply for it, and we satisfied those requirements. By the time we were approved for that and it actually funded was December of this last year. And by that time, thanks to your generosity and sacrifice, our giving had caught back up, and so we decided to save it. And so we dropped it into an account and saved it because at that point we didn't need it. But as part of that, in the wake of the wildfires, we contacted some churches in Southern Oregon and said, is there any way we can help you? Can, because we wanted to share some of this and give it away because it's such an enormous blessing. And all the churches we talked to had received what they needed at that point. So again, we decided, okay, we'll just save this for a worthy endeavor. We think making the mortgage go away is a worthy endeavor. And in fairness, these resources with the Triple P were intended to either help you retain personnel, pay operational costs, or pay facility costs. So this even fits what this was intended to be. And basically, right or wrong, this is a grant from the federal government, no strings attached, so we can use it however we want. We're gonna use it on the mortgage. And then three weeks ago, I don't know how, but someone got wind of the fact that we were hoping to pay off the mortgage this summer. They probably listened to the sermon where I talked about that in hindsight. But all that being said, they said, hey, I want in. They said, I wanna help pay off the mortgage. I'm gonna write you a $75,000 check, put it towards the mortgage. And we said, okay. And so that's in the bank now. And then we had a long, um, a long ten, I hate to say it that way, long tenured, long part of our community is way better. Long part of our community family where the last spouse passed away and in their estate planning, they thought of us. And so um, they gifted us $20,000, which the elders said, yeah, that's going to the mortgage too. Now I'll go back to the slide that I just passed. As a church, we have a savings that we always maintain of one and a half months that allows us to pay one and a half months of resources. And when our budget struggles, we dip into that to get by, and then when our budget recovers or exceeds, then we replenish that. Every month since December, 
Just on the giving side of the equation, you have met or exceeded budget with the exception of one month, which is remarkable. But what that's done with the expense savings from last year when we were in quarantine and shut down, that has not only put us at one and a half months of, of financial reserve, but as of the time that I developed this, which was a couple weeks ago, we have $94,000 above that in our, in our current budget. So we're gonna leverage that towards the mortgage now too. Now some of you numbers folks have added all this up. I'm not quite that good. So if you see a summary of all this together, this is the number, $484,420. Do you remember the number I said that July 1st our mortgage would be? Of course you don't, who remembers that? I'll put it back up here. So we have $484,000 plus in the bank right now. As of July 1st, that mortgage will be $483,109. And that includes a prepayment penalty that we're absorbing. And some of you rightfully ask, well, how much is that? Glad you asked. It's about $14,000. But here's some quick math for you. With this current mortgage, we pay about $2,000 a month in interest. Just in a year's time, that's $24,000. Now, I'm not a mathematician or a math major, but that prepayment penalty doesn't look that bad when I think about making the entire mortgage go away with you. So here's the deal. Unless you tell us otherwise, we are paying off the mortgage as of July 1st. Yeah. We are very, very excited about that. So, this fall, we're going to be doing an anniversary celebration. In our, in our history, we are, a, we are a conglomeration of churches, and, but one of those threads started out 40 years ago, so we're calling this our 40th anniversary this Sunday, excuse me, this fall, but you know, we'll celebrate our history together, and we're going to have a big bonfire right here in the auditorium. We haven't told Dave. He's in the room. He'll never talk to me again, but we're going to take that mortgage and throw it right in the middle of the fire with all of our masks, and it's all going to go away right <laughs> We are going to have a celebration, and it is going to be fantastic. Now, this is even more fun. What the elders and I would like to propose to you is that we take that mortgage savings, and as we've always planned to do when the day would come, redirect it to other parts of our mission and vision and increase our budget accordingly. Now, let me make you a sale, because we have not increased our budget in four years, in four budget cycles, because we've been waiting for us to meet it. So why would we increase our budget now? Well, my friends, so far this year, just on the giving side of equation, you are giving more than our current budget. In the wake of COVID, go figure. You're pretty amazing and so is our God. That's all I have to say. We also want to increase our resources because unapologetically, when God provides the resources, we want to use those to make more disciples and to meet more needs in the name of the Lord. And with us opening up, it is creating a wealth of ministry opportunities. I've talked to so many people who are not Jesus followers, who are relationally starved. They are longing for community. In fact, we've seen a number of folks who've never stepped in a church before coming through our doors in the last several months because people are looking for community. We would sure like to give it to them. We'd like to love them. We'd like to be in relationship with them. And now we have this new possibility called online ministry. In a year and a half time, we've taken our entire service on a Sunday morning and put it online. We've necessarily and purposely ramped up our online presence because we now have a reach that goes way beyond this room, the street, the fence, even this city. 
And we wanna continue to expand that and take advantage of that unique opportunity that it gives us. And finally, with any budget increase, as we've learned through the years, and especially the last four years, any increase that we put together will be phased in as we have the money to do it. We're not gonna get ahead of ourselves and put ourselves into commitments that we can't honor. So what I'm about to propose to you, and some of you are saying, okay, just cut to the chase, I promise I will, is gonna be phased in. So here we go. We'd like to take the new mortgage savings, which is about $7,683.25 to be exact, which will save monthly, add 3.3% to that, and this is some of what this will give us. We always have operational expenses we have to pay as a church family. It's just, just like your home. There's just stuff that goes up every year, utilities, other costs. One of those costs is the church graciously provides medical and dental coverage for our full-time staff, and that is a huge blessing. But those costs go up every year. We always project 7%. Hopefully it won't be that, but we build that into the budget. And again, we have facility utility costs, office costs that will go up. Okay, that's the okay stuff. Now let's get to the more fun stuff. So we want to increase our resources for video and live streaming. Because once again, now on any given Sunday morning, it takes a team of folks to put this together and to project it online. And we're reaching so many people through that medium and that's not gonna go away. That train has left the station. And so we wanna take advantage of that opportunity in the best way possible. We wanna continue to put the pedal down on outreach, community garden, foster parents night out, rest stop for cops, we're increasing resources there. We're increasing funding for our student ministries because we wanna reach more students for Christ in this season especially. We're increasing more resources for Comunidad student ministry and for their new ministry development. Do you realize that Comunidad is one of the largest Hispanic fellowships in East County? and it continues to grow and develop, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Because Comunidad continues to grow and develop, we would like to provide more resources there. Hispanic families, by and large, are large families, which means lots of kids and lots of students. And so we would like to create a part-time role for student ministry and children's ministry in Comunidad. They would relate directly and connect directly to our current student and children's ministries because we share resources across the breadth of our church. But this would be the focal point of, of these roles. And we're very excited about that and they're very needed. We would also like to create a full-time ministry role for online ministry development. We would like to bring someone in who has expertise in helping reach our online community because quite frankly, we're still trying to figure it out just like so many other churches are. We'd like this person to be over our technology and IT, which again has gone to a completely different level with having a live stream every Sunday and the online presence that we have. And we wanna continue to be deliberate about reaching into our young families. So we'd like to see that role come into play as well. So last year, we, um, as Bob Maddox left our staff and um, abandoned us for this compelling ministry as, um, uh, with uh, worldwide, really, ministry leadership and discipleship with this organization he's a part of, we brought him on as um, one of our global mission staff, and we are absorbing that purposefully into our budget. We want to continue to expand our reach with our guest resources, Next Steps programming, serving with Grace Ministries, and of course, our small group community. We want folks who are new to our community to find community as quickly as possible. And we want to continue to put our resources there. So, some important dates to remember. For those of you who have questions, and I hope you do, will you please come at 10.30 next Sunday? 
down the hallway in our big room down there called Room 111 to ask your really good questions. For those of you who remember, ballots are going to be due June 23rd. Those should have come to you in the mail, and a budget information letter should have come to all of you in the mail. We'll announce results at the end of the month. On September 1st, this new budget will begin and will be phased in as we have resources to allow. Now, I know that's a lot of blah, blah, but it matters because that is how we're hoping to direct these resources to make more disciples. And as we prepare to ask our worship team to come forward and to respond in worship, this is very personal to me. To pay off this facility means more, to, means more to me than I can probably express to you. For those of you who were here, and by the way, how many of you were here when we built the second floor in 2006, 2008? Okay, probably about a quarter, a third, and I see those hands online. Not really, but I know that some of you did. When we built the second floor, as part of wanting to be purposeful, wanting to be missional, wanting to keep in front of us, that we are called to make disciples at the end of the day, to introduce people to the same grace, the same amazing God that we experience. We went upstairs as a church family and we wrote names on all the studs up there. And in my office, there were names all over those studs and most of those I wrote myself. And this is a picture of Jamie's family on the left there and my family on the right. Jamie was behind the camera. The kids look a little bit younger than they are right now. I know I haven't aged a bit. God bless you. I look just like I did back then. But that's my parents standing next to me. And what you may not know, and I've I've told this story, but for those of you who don't, shortly before my dad died a year and a half ago, he reaffirmed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I begin to get goosebumps. My dad's name is on one of those studs in my office. As we stood there as a family and took that picture, his name, my mom's name, the names of my immediate family who who weren't there, are all on a stud in a wall up in my office right now. And what you may not know on the other part of the story is this that as long as he could until his health didn't allow it, my dad was among us. He came on Easter. He came on Christmas. He came on other occasions when he could. He sat among you in these very chairs in this room. And my dad is a Jesus follower and with the Lord today in no small part because of you, because of your example as a community, because of who you are. And he's one of many names on those studs up there. Maybe your name is on one of those studs up there. Who we want to see come to know Jesus. And so as we prepare to remember what God has done for each of us through communion, we like this to be a whole person response. And so I'm going to invite our leaders to come forward who are going to be serving communion here in the room. So please don't be shy leaders. Come forward and and get those ready. For those of you at home, um, this is the time to gather your elements, but make this a whole person response. And think about this as you do this. As you come forward to receive these elements, by your actions, you're saying, I'm a disciple or I want to become one. And if you're not a disciple, then make this mean something 
by choosing to receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior right now. There's nothing magical about it. You just tell him, I want you in my life. You're a disciple. Be a disciple. By coming forward, you're saying, I want to grow as a disciple. By coming forward, you're saying, I want to make disciples. So my friends, as we, as we worship, as we sing this next song about God stirring a passion in us, make that a prayer. Man, stir a passion in me to be a disciple, to grow as a disciple, to make disciples. Come forward, receive communion. Those of you who are watching this, um, gather your elements, and then we'll take those elements together here when everyone's been served. And if there's someone around you who can't come forward, would you please get the elements for them and take it back to them? But let's worship together. Come forward. Come to the table. Receive communion, and we'll celebrate together. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember what he's done for us together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this, drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember his sacrifice. Lord Jesus, that you would come for us in your grace and accept us because of your love and call us away from brokenness because of your sacrifice on our behalf and your resurrection and then to give us the power and the ability to live for you, to be able to experience your approval and your blessing because we choose to trust and obey you. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for the love that you have lavished upon us. We commit ourselves to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. And let's continue to worship together. Amen. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Be a disciple. Grow as a disciple. Make disciples. That's what we're called to do and be. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time to celebrate you, to celebrate your faithfulness to us, to celebrate the generosity of this church family, to celebrate the reality of having resources that we can redirect because we own this building free and clear. Lord, we pray not just for ourselves, but for the generations of those who will follow us, who will have resources to be able to reach this community for you. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you've called us out of darkness into light. Would we remember who we are and live out our true identity in you as we go from here? And thank you that you go with us. And we love you. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. So go and live for him. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. 
For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.